the Bashana spin love, baby. And she gon' spin love and time. Helping you to master your self-image so you can master your life. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the podcast and thank you for coming on today. You are so welcome. I'm really, I've been very excited since you asked me to do this. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yes. Rachel is a former client of mine. We've done a lot of coaching with, we're going to be able to show some cool things, kind of a before and after of some of the things that she's gone through. So Rachel, I'm going to have you just do a quick introduction so we can kind of know who you are and what you're all about. Sure. Uh, My name is Rachel. I am married. I've been married for almost eight years now. I have two little boys, five and three. I work. My job title is lead ASL interpreter up at our local university here. My favorite part of the job is actually interpreting in students' classes. I love, love, love music. It's been not as much a part of my life since having kids because yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I asked Rachel to pick a time in her life that she wanted to talk about what she said was interesting. She said, learning to be okay with being me and liking what I do. So I would love for you to expand on that a little bit. Definitely. When you asked me, there was lots of different scenarios that came to my mind but they all stemmed from like the same core thing. I was struggling to be okay with being me. So some of the examples were, well, back up a little bit. I'm kind of a like peacemaker, people pleaser type personality. I'm working on that. Yes, yes you are. <laughs> so when I was in a big group of friends or when I got married, I liked to keep the peace by taking on parts of other people, things that they liked, words that they would say, behaviors that they adopted or whatever. Opinions. Yes, opinions for sure. I did not have any opinions unless they were the popular opinion (laughs) for most things. Yeah. There are some things that I have very strong opinions on, but that those are few and far between. When I got married, obviously I wanted a beautiful marriage. And so that meant adopting what my husband would do or what he wanted or how he would approach things and learned real quick, but didn't figure it out for a while that that doesn't work because my brain doesn't work the same as his brain. Yeah. I have worked our entire marriage and I've worked the entire time that I've had kids. There's been very few breaks that I have not had a job or not worked somewhere. And that was also hard because I felt torn between my personal beliefs and what I was taught in my religion and what the world says. And I mean, there's so many different opinions around that. So then I was struggling there. Because you can't keep them all happy. Yeah, you can't. You absolutely <laughs> can't. And I was trying really hard. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was hard. And I wanted to be a good mom, but I felt like when I was at work, that I was letting my kids down or that I was not being a good mom by being at work or yada, 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 you know, all the fun stories that we tell ourselves. Yes. And then when I was home with my kids, I either felt like I wasn't being a good enough mom because I was so tired from being at work, or I felt like, oh man, I'm letting my team down because I'm not working as much as I should be working or as much as other people on the team are working. And and then I want to be a good employee. I want to be a good supervisor. I want I, I want all of these things, but I'm also wanting to make everybody happy. And I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know what my views were, what what being me meant. All of a sudden, I had all of these identities that none of them meshed together. 
Mm-hmm. And every situation that I was finding, it was like, oh, this is because I didn't know. I'm partially still don't. I'm still discovering this. We all are. Who I am and being okay with being me and being okay doing the things that I think you said it in one of our sessions that lights my soul on fire. Yeah. That gives me that passion that gives me that I look forward to every day, not, ugh, it's Monday, ugh, it's Tuesday, ugh, I gotta do this. It's, yes, I have work today. Yes, I have a day off. I get to be with my kids. That kind of feeling. Yes, I love that. I love that. that. (laughs) Yes. Well, I think that this idea can resonate with a lot of people, whether they're stay-at-home moms or working moms or not moms at all. I think we can all resonate with the feeling of, wait, like, what do I, who am I and what do I really want to do? And what I want to do maybe some of these people in my life aren't really supporting that or that's not what they think I should do. And how do we bridge that gap and do the things that we want to do, even if the people around us, it's not their idea, right? Or how do we, how do we do the things that we really want to do and just feel okay about it? No matter what the voices around us are saying about it. Exactly. Like figuring out what are the things that fill your soul, that fill your cup, however you want to look at it that make you smile, that make you happy, that make you feel complete so that then you can do the things that you want and also be the person that other people need you to be. Not how they need you to be, but the person that they need you to be. So my kids, if my cup is full, if I am feeling good, then I'm going to show up as the mom I want to be, but as the person that they need as well. I think it can be easy to set rules of what that might look like. (laughs) My kids need a mom who plans activities for them every day, who make their breakfast, lunch, and dinner, who do their laundry who like right we can make a lot of rules for ourselves oh, I am so good at making rules for myself <laughs> arbitrary rules that I have no idea where they came from <laughs> yes exactly and that's just the thing sometimes we have to realize that our rules are just made up and honestly the person that they need you to be is just somebody who loves them yes at the end of the day they just need to be loved yes. and it can be really easy to make it more than that well if I loved them I would do this checklist of things for them. If I loved them, I might not go to work anymore. I might stay home with them. You know, like we can make up in our head what we think it looks like and it feels really true. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Those, those things feel so true when we when we have those rules for ourselves. Absolutely. And it not only feels real, but then it creates all kinds of emotions and then subthoughts and then more emotions and then more subthoughts and you get into this just cyclone of despair and grief and shame and all the negativeness. Yes. I know you know this, but for anybody listening, something that I teach all of my clients is that our thoughts create our emotions. So when something happens or we have, a, we have a circumstance or we have situations in our lives. Our thoughts about those things create our emotions. And so your thoughts, Rachel, about, you know, I don't know who I am. I'm keeping everybody happy. I'm a, I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad wife. I'm a bad employee or I want to be so good, but therefore I'm not, right? Our brain kind of always defaults to you're not good enough at this. You're not good enough at this. You're failing at this. Those thoughts create those emotions of despair and grief and then exhaustion 
exhaustion and that feeling of like, I'm never getting out of this. Yes. And sometimes that leads to apathy, which can sometimes yes. be worse than having any emotions at all. Yeah. I would almost call it a dangerous place to be. It's a very apathy is a very dangerous place to be. Yes. Apathy is a very dangerous place to be because you get to the point where you don't care anymore. Yes. Then then you start to fail at all the things that you really wanted to do, but you can't see the reason why you wanted to do them anymore. And you lose that, even that desire to want to figure out who you are. Yes. Which can lead to lacking the desire to be very quickly. Yes. I had Rachel fill out a little form before our interview today. And one of the questions that I had her answer was... <laughs> During this time period, what negative emotions did you feel the most often? And I have a very large list of these negative emotions. And, and I said, circle, you know, two to four. What did you feel the most often? Yeah, and I did not read that last part. <laughs> she circled like 30 different emotions. I asked her about it before the interview and I really loved her answer. So I'm going to ask her again, Rachel. You were feeling fear and anger and grief and despair and overwhelm and self-doubt and failure and self-criticism. And, and seriously, the list goes on for like five more columns. But tell me what you told me in the beginning about what you recognized with the emotions that you weren't feeling. Yes. So as I was looking at this list, there are other feelings on there that are like hatred and rejection and resentment and different things that are more outward emotions, like they can be directed at other people that they're the cause of it. But as I was looking at the list, I didn't circle any of those. I circled all of the internal emotions that were directed at myself. Yeah. So I mean, I'm glad that I'm not necessarily taking it out on other people or blaming other people or things like that but it did hit me pretty strongly like wow I am really directing a lot of emotions at myself internalizing a lot of these emotions I am highly critical of myself which yes. you always hear you're yes. your critic but seeing that and seeing all the things that I was basically shooting arrows at myself and it's no yes. wonder that you get into these crazy places and you feel crazy, that's a lot of ammunition to have against yourself and to hold in yourself. Yes. I love the imagery there of shooting arrows at yourself because that's exactly what it is. Just like we were talking before, our thoughts create our emotions. And you said it, I was judging myself so harshly. I was being so hard on myself. And that's where a lot of the negative emotion comes from. And I love that you could recognize from this list, okay, this is all self-inflicted pain. I'm not blaming it on other people. I'm just being really hard on myself. Yes. Okay. So during this time period, how was your self-image? Uh, not great. <laughs> Uh, define self-image again for me, just so that I remember. Okay. So your self-image is the thoughts and beliefs you have about your abilities, your appearance, and your personality. That's right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. There was lots of errant thoughts that were then creating beliefs about myself that I was not good enough at any of it, that I was failing at everything. So naturally, all of that led to more emotions like stress and worry and disheartening and whatever, which then created more stress, which then made me not sleep. So then I've got bags under my eyes. So now my appearance, I'm feeling like I'm not looking how I want to. And you I, look in the mirror and you're like, yes. hey, uh, that's not me. I'm like, ooh, zombie What's, girl. Okay. Yeah. You Let's look rough today, girl. <laughs> 
<laughs> if I don't, if I, it's getting better. I should not say yeah. that I am totally out of the waters on this, but I have so many more tools to address all of these things in my yeah. life and figuring out who I am. Yes. But listen, I'm a life coach and I do this for a living and I still look in the mirror and I'm like, whoo, girl, get it together. <laughs> Rough night. I mean, that kind of leads me to one of my other questions, right? Is like during this time, did you start any bad habits? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> when I'm super stressed and I have my brain going in a million different directions, I tend to forget to eat. And it can be like an entire day where I forget to eat. And it's not that I'm starving myself. It's not that I'm trying to punish myself. It's that my executive function, part of my brain that makes decisions has been making so many decisions all day and then subconsciously making other decisions about, oh, this person's going to think this. So then I got to do this. And so my brain was constantly going, but I didn't have room anywhere in my life to even think about food. So unless there was something very quick, either already pre-made or, which I'm terrible at meal prepping and that's okay, (laughs) I'm working on that one. But unless we had something already pre-made or I had like a cup of noodles that I could grab really fast, or if there was something easy to grab, then sometimes I ate. But if there wasn't, I could not physically or mentally make the decision to find food. It was like I was out in the wild again and I couldn't go hunt that rabbit. Like (laughs) too much energy, too much work. I can't do that. Do you feel like that translated into taking care of your boys as well? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Because then obviously you need energy in your body and food gives you that energy. So then I had the brain fog. I had not even tiredness. It was fatigue to another level. And I would get home and basically all I could do was just like snuggle my boys on the couch and watch a movie. And then it was like, okay, we've got to eat something. So we would have cereal or we would have prepackaged oatmeal. And I could see that they weren't feeling very good either. And they just wanted to be with me. And I was kind of a zombie. And so then I wasn't being the mom. So then I was having the, I'm a terrible mom thing. And everything just kind of started, it all started over. And when you don't eat, you don't sleep well either. No. Even if you're so exhausted from everything and lack of energy, you don't get a restful sleep. So then the process would start over the next day. But my levels were about three notches down from where they were the previous day. So I had even less capacity to do things. By the end of the week, I mean, not even the end of the week, by Thursday, I was like, I'm done. The apathy kind of would start to set in in certain areas and not even intentionally, but it was like my body was numb. My brain, my body, I didn't have fuel. Kind of survival. Right. A hundred percent in survival mode. Like I'm just going to shut down because we're not doing very well. Just going to shut down. Yep. And then sometimes my body would be like, whoa, you need a break. We're going to make you really sick. Then you have to take off work and you have to take off taking care of your boys and you have to take off doing the home duties and you have to take off being a, a good neighbor and you have like you can't you can't do any of it. You're just literally going to lay in bed and die for a couple of days. And then we'll make you better after you've like recovered and taken care of yourself. Yeah. Isn't it so cool though, how your body knows like, Hey, enough is enough. (laughs) Here's some sickness because you need to take a break and you need to eat some food. Yep. So that was a big one that one of the big bad habits that I'm still trying to kick, but I recognize it more. And so even if it's like, yep, I'm eating some ramen right now, I do have to cook it, but it's better than not eating anything. 
I'm mm. to that point now that it's if I'm not eating, I grab a carrot. I'm like this is this is more than I was gonna do before. Yeah. Or the little prepackaged protein packs, those have saved my life. Like <laughs> I, I know that I'm eating something that's good for me. It's not yeah. ramen. It has yeah. nutritional value and it's super easy. I throw it in a lunchbox on my way to work and I have it available. So that's been something that's a big influencer of a lot of the other spinoffs that I would have. That yeah, I totally. Because food is kind of important. Sort of, you know. <laughs> so let's get back to the emotional piece of this because we have done a lot of coaching in this realm of what do you want to do? And you love your job and you want to work at your job and you love your kids and you want to do a mom. And I've offered several times that you can have it all and do it all if you manage your mind around it. Yes. So back to the emotional side of things, what are some thoughts or beliefs that that I've helped you shift so that you can handle all of the aspects of what you want to do better? Yeah. A couple of the main ones that come to mind are, (laughs) you would ask this in several sessions. In the first couple of sessions, I was like, stop asking me this. I don't know. But it was like, I would say something and you would say, well, why does it have to be like that? Who created that rule? And it was like, (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. And then as I started to open up a little bit more and really be able to dig deeper, I was feeling really stressed and anxious and panicky and depressed at sometimes with having to go to work, doing something that I loved. I felt selfish going to work yeah. because of my kids that I was leaving them at home. And, and and the belief was I'm a bad mom because I'm going to work. Yes. Or yeah. I'm causing my children to be so unhappy because I dropped them off at daycare or I'd leave them with the nanny. And it was just breakdowns 90% of the time that I was going to be leaving. And that was so difficult for me. I I mean, I don't think it's easy for any mom to see their children bawling and gripping onto them with a death grip saying, mommy, please don't leave me. Please stay here. All of that. And then that just adds to the guilt and the shame and the- And use it as ammo against yourself. Yep. Yep. All of that. So when we were talking about how I was like, I don't know how to be a good mom and I don't know how to be a good employee. And I'm thinking like- What I need to do is I need to step back from work for a while and just like be with my kids. (laughs) I loved that you were like, why does it have to be like that? Why can't you work and be a good mom? I was like, because clearly I'm not doing a good job at that. (laughs) Clearly this is killing me. (laughs) This is a problem that I need to figure out. And you did something that I don't even know if you know how impactful it was, but you're like, okay, let's just Let's take a generic week and let's add up how many hours are in a week. Mm -hmm. We added up how many hours were in the week. And then you said, okay, on average, how many hours do you work? And then you said, and on average, how many hours a night do you sleep? And on average, and we went through several different things. And after we had accumulated all of the information and the numbers, we started subtracting everything. And what was left in my week was, I think it was like 70 or 75 hours that I still had in my week. And you're like, even if you take 
half of those, which was like 30, 35. I think it was like 34. Yeah. Yes. Somewhere in there. If you were to take half for yourself, you still have 34 hours a week with your kids. And that's if you take the full 34 hours for yourself, which, you know, of course I don't do. No. (laughs) Yeah. No, none of us do. I'm not quite to that perfect (laughs) point where I'm like, I can perfectly balance my whole life. But it was an eye opener for me of just how much time I did have and what an impact I could still have with my kids during that time. And you had said, you're probably going to have to combat these thoughts still about going to work and being a bad mom. And I have to tell you, I really haven't. Since that conversation, that was what totally struck that myth completely out of my brain. Beautiful. And there, there are still... Some there's other ones sometimes come in like yeah you shouldn't be working so much mm. you shouldn't be working on this day you shouldn't mm-hmm. be staying late today you should be picking up your kids a little bit earlier but the fact of me going to work I'm like free from it now not painful anymore no and when, I love when they're sobbing and bawling and I'm clinging to me and I'm just like I love you and I have to go to work not and I want I to go to work, work. <laughs> yes and I want to go to work And I'm okay leaving you right now because I know I'm going to do a really awesome thing that's going to help other people. It's going to support my team. It's going to support me and fill up my cup. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to pick you up and we're going to spend all afternoon and night together. Yes. So that has been one that has been huge for me for that one belief of I'm a bad mom because I work. Yeah. But listen, how much airtime did it free up in your head while you're at work? Oh, a ton. Right? Absolutely a ton. And then when you free up that airtime, you get to you get to actually go to work and, and be at work, be present <laughs> at work, and enjoy being at work, which yeah. then is less stressful and thoughts are are not creating this exhaustion yes. all day and long. I am, I will say this, I am far more productive. <laughs> when yes. I'm not distracted by constant thoughts of how awful a person I am. How awful a mom I am, how awful of a wife I am. It's just like those thoughts are not as present, not those type of thoughts because I'm at work. Obviously, like Mm -hmm. I said, the sub thoughts will sneak in there. Like your brain will always try. Yes. Your brain will always try. (laughs) (laughs) And that that will keep happening. (laughs) Yes. But that was a big one that really, really helped me to just recognize that it just wasn't true. Yes. Just, just how not true it was. Yes. But because of how I was behaving, it was true because then I was sabotaging my time with them while I was with them and they still didn't have a mom during that time. And when I realized that as well, it was like, okay, I got to change this. The other part of that was, I was like, sometimes I just come home and I just sit on the couch with them and watch a movie. And you were like, what's wrong with that? Why is that bad? Why is that wrong? Yeah. I, I realized I was like, that's a passion of my movies. I love movies. I quote them every day in everyday situations. And my kids are doing that too. And so sometimes that's how me and my five-year-old communicate. (laughs) Weird 
random phrases from a show or a movie that we watched together. But because we were doing it together, I totally know where he's coming from. And I'm like, oh, is that from this movie? He's like, yeah. I'm so glad <laughs> you got that. Like, he's so happy that I understood what he was saying. And we're still making connections. We're still yes. having that time together. Yeah. So you're, what you were believing before is that because I come home and we watch a movie, I'm a bad mom. I'm yeah. failing. Yes. And then you yes. feel the emotions of those thoughts. Yeah. And now you can think like, I love that I get to come home and watch movies with them. Yes. And because that's part of who you are, it also fills your cup. It is something that you love. Of course, it's okay that you do that. Yes, it does all the things. And I realized, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with this. Sometimes technology is a really great way to entertain your kids while you take a minute for yourself. Right. But I realized the important piece was I wasn't coming home and sticking them in front of a movie and then going and doing whatever. It was, that was us. We were together. My my number one love language is touch. So they're right next to me. I've got my arms around them. Sometimes we have some popcorn, but they're right there with me. And I think... I'm pretty sure one of my kids, their top love language is also touch. So it's just, it's filling both of our needs or all of our needs. What's interesting about what you just said is that our brains are designed to find evidence to prove ourselves right. So if your thought was, I'm a bad mom, your brain is going to use that as evidence, right? You shouldn't be watching a movie. You shouldn't be doing that. You're such a bad mom. You're not giving them attention. You're not doing this. You're not, you know. You're not doing all these other things. And so it was using that as evidence to show you how terrible you are. Definitely. Now you've shifted your belief and now your brain gets to use that as evidence to show you that you're doing a really great job. You didn't have to change your behavior at all. You just had to change the way you were thinking about it. Yes. And most of our problems in our lives are like that. We don't actually have to change our behavior. We just have to change the way we're thinking about it. And then things start shifting so that we can do the things that we love doing and feel good about them. Yes. And finding the thought that resonates with you. Yes. Finding, because there's lots of thoughts that you can try and change it to. But if you don't click with that thought, if you don't actually believe that thought, no matter how much you tell yourself, your brain's still telling you that you don't actually believe that. Yeah. yeah well, and actually what we have to do is we have to create awareness about the the current thought, like the hidden thought that's yes. creating the problem in the first place. So yeah. a lot of times we'll recognize like, hey, this is a problem for me. I need to, especially my coaching clients. Okay. I've recognized my problem and I know I need to change my thought. It's like, but first we have to find the thought. We have to find what's painful first. And I think that was something that it took us a, a, a little bit of digging to find the thoughts and beliefs that were causing you so much pain in the situation. Yes. And once we created that awareness, yes. then that's when you're like, oh, that's not true. Like I get to find something that feels true. Yes. Rather than just this default painful thought. I will say sometimes it takes another person to help you get to that thought because <laughs> your brain doesn't want you to find find that thought. It is yes. so protective of itself. And so there was a couple times where Shauna had said, so are you thinking this? And it was along the same lines of I'm a bad mom because I go to work. And I was like, no, 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 no. And then after a while, she finally said the phrase, I'm a bad mom because I go to work. And you will know when you hit the problem, because most of the time it's going to elicit very strong emotions in you. <laughs> 
I just started bawling and it was such a realization of, oh my gosh, yes, that's the thought. You've been saying that for like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes or several sessions, but my brain wasn't connecting to that exact phrase. But it took somebody else helping me to find that. And I will say that was a big relief and hard to have somebody else point that out to me. Yeah. And, and honestly, the tears that you feel are tears of relief and discovery, kind of like not all of my clients cry when we get to that moment of like, yes, that's exactly, that's exactly what I've been thinking. Um, but when they do, it's, it's half relief and half judgment still of like, I can't believe I've been so hard on myself. I can't believe I've been creating this. Yes. And when I say strong emotions, I don't necessarily mean crying. It could be rage. It It could be rage. Yes. It could be, I mean, it could be any emotions. Relief, definitely. I felt a part of me go, like (sighs) there was a piece that uh, something that had been weighing me down was now free. Yes. But there will be some of those strong emotions of like, oh my gosh, okay, this is it. If it's a big deal in your life, if it's one of your side things that's like, this is kind of irritating then that might not happen. But if it's something yeah. like that, like I'm a bad mom. Yeah. And it's deep, deep core. Yes. Painful. And for me, it's very important that I want to be a good mom. That's something that's important to me. So whatever yeah. is important to you, finding that thought is it was key for sure. Yes. I love that so much. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, I am a life coach and I still have a life coach. Because even even with the training, it's so hard to see my own painful thoughts, especially those deep ones. So I love I love that you said that because it's so true. Okay, I want to know something that helped you keep going because you're in this downward spiral and really struggling, and it was not for a short time, right? This this (laughs) this lasted for years. We're going on eight years strong. This started basically when I got married. <laughs> you got married. You were trying to keep everybody happy. Yep. Going to work to support your family. Then yep. feeling bad about it. Like you were letting your family down. Wanting to keep your husband happy. Wanting to keep your children happy. Wanting to keep your boss happy. Wanting to keep your parents happy. Wanting to keep your church happy. Your neighbors happy. That's just not a sustainable way to live. No. And the the hard part about that is everybody else has conflicting beliefs about what is air quotes here, good or right, or it's all made up or so that caused a lot. It caused a big rift inside of me because I wanted to make everybody happy, but if everybody's happy is different and requires different things that are either controversial or they're, I'm doing sign language here because I can't (laughs) think of the English. And I don't know what that means. So I I know. I know. Um, it's, uh, I guess conflict is a good word. It's conflicting because none of them match up together. None of them. So then I'm in this awful. Hey, wait, I want to talk about what you mean by, I want to talk about what you mean by conflicting, because I think I understand what you're saying is like keeping my husband happy looked one way, but the things that I was doing to keep him happy didn't line up with what it would take to be a good church person and what it takes to be a good church person doesn't line up with these things that I'm trying to do to keep my neighbor happy or or whoever it was kind of like I'm going to work to support our family but at church I'm taught that I should stay home with my kids yes so, and so I, I can't go to work and help take care of my family and keep my church happy by staying home and being a stay-at-home mom yes things there like are <laughs> there are lots of contradictions that's the word I was looking for we were close <laughs> 
There are lots of contradictions in either what I was taught or what I believe or what people think. So my boss she and what you think. Yes, what think. I think about that. Yes, and what I think their thoughts are. Yeah, my boss, fantastic woman, a bit of a feminist, and believes strongly in women in the workplace. And I love her attitude about things, and she empowers me to be at work. Mm-hmm. But then I go to church and I don't necessarily need to work. I mean, kind of, but we could potentially live off of my husband's income. Right. So that's where the other part comes in when it's needed, where I am. It's a necessity that I work. Those thoughts are not there because I know I'm doing what I have to. It's when it's my choice that then it feels like my church. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing because the home is where you're supposed to be and raising your children and nurturing their spirits and their minds and doing all of that. And sometimes I don't feel like I do that on a daily basis because I do come home and we just watch a mindless movie together. We eat dinner and then we go to bed. Like there's not much teaching happening there. And so there, that's a big conflict. Okay. But even what you just said, there's not much teaching there. Can you tell me how that makes you feel awful honestly <laughs> when mm-hmm. I'm preparing my my child to go to kindergarten and I'm seeing all of these parents that have like their kids are reading and they know like they've traveled to different places and learned about okay listen though your I brain know. is like let me look at everyone else I and gather know. all this evidence that I'm <laughs> terrible Okay. But when you said the thought, there are some days where I'm not doing any of that teaching and nurturing. How does that make you feel that thought? Is it guilt? Is it regret? (laughs) Yes. Yes. All of those. It's, I just get this really sick feeling in my gut. Failure. Yes. That's definitely one of those emotions in there. Yeah. Okay. Um, tell me this, what are your children learning from you when you get up and you get ready and you get them ready and you take them somewhere safe and fun and then you go to work and then you come home and you pick them up and you love them and you snuggle them? I'm sure that I'm teaching them something really valuable, <laughs> but yeah. my brain doesn't my brain doesn't want to see that part. Because so. the rule is that you have set for yourself is I need to be teaching him to read tonight. I should have taught him more about the gospel or more about Jesus. I should have, right? There's all these yes. shoulds of, yes. I failed today because I kicked ass as a mom and as a wife, but it, I failed because I didn't teach him how to read. Yes. Minus the, I kicked ass as a mom and as a, but oh, yeah. yeah. I don't your think brain, my brain your, quite goes Your brain is that. not going to say that. <laughs> That's me, right? That's me saying like, look at what yes. you actually did. Yes. And that's, and that's, that's where I'm definitely working on is seeing those wins. Yes. And that's where my brain still sabotages me is it. Yes. I, I love my kids and I am a good mom, even though I go to work and then it finds those subtle other things, but you're not a good mom because you don't teach them because you don't do this. So those, those other side doors that it likes to come in. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sneaky. It's like, you've locked this one and barred it up real well. There's a window around the corner though. I think I'm going to try that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Be- because I've coached you a few times, like I love seeing the progress that you're making. And I, and I hope the people listening can hear and feel that from you too, is like, I was in this really bad place and things are getting better. 
Yes. And I, I have to work on it. I couldn't even it. talk about it without crying. I'm pretty <laughs> sure like our first four sessions were five minutes of us just kind of chatting and then we'd get into it and I would just start bawling. And, and that's okay. I don't have, well, but I don't have that reaction anymore. It's like, yeah. it's more of, oh, this was one of the other things that we walked through was all of the arbitrary, this is right and wrong. And this is good and bad rules yes. set in my life. Yes. And stepping back and saying, approach it from a point of curiosity instead of this is right and wrong. This is good and bad. Yes. So now when these things happen and I'm feeling this and I can step back for a second and be like, (laughs) I'm curious why I think that this is wrong. Why do I think that this is bad? Okay, let's change that for a minute. And in an ideal world, if this was normal, if this was yada yada, whatever word you want to insert here, or if this was just a thing and it didn't even have any meaning to it. Yeah, until my brain took it and assigned. Yes, yes and assigned lots and lots and lots of meaning to something that really is yes. sometimes pointless. Very neutral. Yes, neutral. That's a very good word for it. Yeah. But that's been a big thing that has helped me to make the progress that I need to because as those side doors and windows let things slip through, (laughs) sometimes my brain can catch it. Sometimes I can catch it and be like, whoa, whoa, why do I feel horrible about this? Why is this affecting me? And I can step back from it and step out of that. I'm just so tunnel visioned into, oh, I'm feeling this, this must be true, da, 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 and you go down that terrible. path instead of like, oh, there's lots of options here of how I can handle this. I'm yes. going to, and sometimes the option is, you know what, I feel really terrible right now. I'm just going to sit mm-hmm. and let my fe- myself feel terrible Yes, for a minute. That's so powerful. And just experience the emotions because I will tell you, I have not been a good experiencer of emotions. No, none of us are. We're not taught. We're not taught how to feel our emotions and how to process our emotions and how to sit in them. It feels so uncomfortable. And then your yes. brain is like, how can I distract myself from this? Maybe I should go eat something. Maybe I should have a drink. Maybe I should, you know, exercise. Maybe phone. I should get on my phone and scroll, you know? And not that any of those things are inherently bad, but when we use them to avoid our feelings and avoid coming to terms with the fact that, okay, like I feel really terrible right now yes. and, and believing it, right? Our brain is like, let's do something else. Let's get, <laughs> let's eat some sugar so we can have some dopamine. Yeah. You know, let's do, let's do something else so we don't have to feel this. But if you, just like you said, if you allow yourself to recognize like, give that emotion a name and sit in it and let it be there for a minute, it will pass through so quickly and then you're okay. And there have been times when I have actually named things. So like when I start feeling panic, I'm like, Perry, Perry is here. You give it like a real name. I give it a real name (laughs) because it's not me. It's not mine. It's not something that it has to be part of me. It's just something that is happening. And sometimes Perry shows up in times when I am expecting Perry to show up. And sometimes Perry shows up and I'm like, whoa, what are you doing here? You were not invited. Nope. Perry, you wait your turn. Go back out the door. Oh my gosh. Giving it a name has given me power to be like, nope. I have not named anxiety yet because every time I name my anxiety, it gives me anxiety about that name. So then I just kind of like walk away from it. Anxiety does not want a name. (laughs) No. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I, I call it out as like anxiety. Hmm. Anxiety is trying to come in for a second. All right. We'll see what they have to say. And then you're excused to leave. Yes. Yeah. Get out. Leave. I love, I Even love that you said, I love that you said, because it's not me. Yes. And that's how every single thought is. Your brain offers you like 60,000 thoughts in a day, which means you could have some pretty intense emotions if you give all of those thoughts airtime, right? When you can recognize like, okay, this, this isn't me. This thought isn't me. This emotion isn't me. I'm allowing it right now. I'm going to experience it right now. Then it can go because it's not me. That is one of the most powerful realizations you can have. And the more you practice it, the better you'll get at it. I promise. Yes. Yes. It's definitely becoming a habit for certain emotions. Obviously other emotions are going to come and be different. And there was, there was one day um, that I was meeting with a, a mental health professional and I, all of a sudden on my drive there, just felt the biggest attack, just like anxious panic Mm -hmm. out of nowhere. Like I wasn't even thinking anything. I wasn't experiencing anything that day. And when I showed up to my appointment, I was telling her this and she was like, and what's, what's wrong? I was like, I don't know where this came from. She's like, would it change it? If you knew where it came from, I was like, well, then maybe I might be able to get rid of it. She's like, but you're making it bad that you're feeling that. Yeah. Oh, yes. We can have so much judgment for even just having a feeling. Yes. And making it mean that there's something wrong with us and we're broken and we need to fix this. Yeah. Yes. Giving me room and power that when these come in, even if they won't leave, like sometimes Perry does not want to leave. Yeah. That I'm not now adding more emotions to it. Like, Oh my gosh, what do I need to do? What, what did I do? What, what, what can I change? What can I, I need to go and do something. I need to eat something. I need, and then you go into that spiral again. There's so many spirals that you can fall into and, and just being able to sit with it and be like, you know what? There's nothing wrong or bad happening here. Yeah. Like, all right, Perry, (laughs) pull up a chair. If you're not going to leave, just pull up a chair, but I've got other things to do too. (laughs) Yes. And that, and that's what it allows you. It allows your brain to switch from, all my attention is on this emotion that I don't want. I don't know where it came from trying to get rid of it. It's not going away to, all right, you're here. Great. Yes. I'm going to just, you know, put you in the corner, put a dunce hat on you, do what you (laughs) want to do. I still have. Hang out as long as you need. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Oh my gosh. So good. Okay, Rachel, this has been so awesome. And I feel like anybody who listens is going to get so much out of this. Thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability and for really um, giving us a great picture of, of the before and the after and the during and the, the continue, you know, the continuously practicing and learning. I think you did a beautiful job. Thank you. And I hope all of you out there, whether you're moms or not, or working or staying at home, bless you. If you are a stay at home mom, that scares me to do that, honestly. And that's a whole (laughs) different set of things, but pat yourself on the backs and realize that you are incredible and that sometimes our incredible brains also try and sabotage us. Thanks for giving me time here. I've really enjoyed this and I just love doing things with you because I think you're an incredible example of being able to be yourself and figuring out who you are and continuously being curious. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Wear the damn pants. Hey. Wear the damn pants. Hey. Wear the damn pants. Hey. What you got to say? Wear the damn pants.
Mr. Bashana spin love, baby. And she gon' spin love and time. Helping you to master your self-image so you can master your life. Believe in your abilities and anything is possible. If you be true to yourself, there's no way you can't the go. Pants. Wear the damn pants. Wear the damn pants. What you got to say? Wear the damn pants. Wear the damn pants. Wear the damn pants.